0: I'm Jenny Nevinson, but you can call me Penny Flyme. And you are listening to the Minder Podcast.
1: Welcome to episode 10 of the Minder podcast in association with Minder.org. I am your host, Paul Stenning. In this show, we have part two of an interview with a complete superstar, the one and only Susie Quattro. Full disclosure, it's the first episode of the Minder podcast where, a uh, Minder is not mentioned, although we do have the usual clips for you to enjoy. But if you really want to know more about Susie Quattro, this is the interview for you. You'll hear very much about what makes her tick and what she has had to overcome to maintain her success. We hear about her ego room in her house, and about her performing a full concert by herself in her front room. There is also more about her acting, current music, her health tips, and how to keep going into your 70s. And so it gives me great pleasure to welcome Susie Quattro once again to the Minder Podcast on Episode 10 in association with Minder.org. when you mentioned Happy Days, is it true that originally, because you said it's your first acting role, is it true that one of the show's producers had seen a poster of you on the cover of Rolling Stone? And yeah,
0: it's so- in the, do- you You must watch Suzy Q, the documentary. It's, it did great. But number one on the Amazon charts was released at the end of 219. That's got everything in it. But yes, they were, they had the part, um, I think for about six months. They knew Pinky was leaving They had contractual problems and they liked the Tuscadero thing. So they came up with leather Tuscadero and they were looking for, again, somebody who was tough, but somebody who was cute and vulnerable and somebody who could sing and act and they couldn't find it. They -hmm. thought about making her making some music in it. And the uh, casting director went home to her daughter's bedroom and her daughter had collected collages of Rolling Stone covers. All over her walls, and mine was on the cover in 1975. And she just, she said, and she told me this when I met her. She looked at it, she went, "Oh my God, who's that? That's who we're looking for." So they called me in Japan, and they said, "Would you come and audition for the role?" Which I did, and I got it, and it turned into three seasons. It's an amazing
1: um, eye that people have that
0: they can do. Yeah, she just liked the look of that, I guess, and. And it and it fit with her picture who Leather Toscadero was, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so it was good. So uh great. I I, I did the um audition and I, I arrived dressed in my leathers because I always wore leather. I had street leathers and stage leathers, and Gary Marshall, who's also in the documentary, he came up to me and he went, Hello, I'm Gary Marshall. We shook hands. He said, How smart of you to come dressed in the role. And I said, <laughs> I said, what the hell are you talking about? How smart of me. He said, Oh, well, it's called Leather Tuscador. I said, Well, I'm sorry, I'm Susie Quattro. This is what I wear. I think I was already in at that point, you know. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Yeah.
1: Um the video for the You dance and the song itself is extremely catchy. And um it's good fun, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, but at the same time, you're like you said before, no facades. It's very You know, you're just being natural. There's no kind of uh, heavy lighting or, you know, it's just you, like you were on stage. But
0: it's... All the videos are different, um, and they all display different parts of my character. Uh, Do you dance? Don't forget, I'm born and raised in Detroit, so... I was brought up on Motown and, you know, and I, I i used to dance on a TV show when I was 14. And so I'm very much into that kind of thing. It's a fun track and it's a little bit rude lyrically, which I think is great. I love that line. Let me finish first. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line uh, and I just get away with it. Um, but the, uh, and it's a really good song. The, um, my heart and soul. That's one of my favorite videos of all time. The Christmas one. You must watch that one. I need you home for Christmas. Wow. I, I cry every time I see it, every single time. And it shows me at the piano in a completely different mode, you know, and with the kids in it and everything, it's just, oh. And the devil and me, love that one, that we did all of them in the garage. That's just me being Susie, the devil and me. And the other one is, um, I lost my, I, I sold my soul today. That was, uh, if you watch that one, that's an acting video. And we discussed it. And we actually weren't even gonna put me playing bass in it, you know? And then at the last minute, he pinged me on my computer and he said, I do want some bass shots. And the the, the story is, this is like 11 o'clock at night, that I didn't practice the bass and the singing together because he said he wasn't gonna do that. And you always have to go through it and work out what you're gonna do. And you know, that's normal procedure.
2: where the hell are you going to i'm leaving i'm going home i don't feel very well you ain't going nowhere please monty i've had the most disturbing experience i, I feel quite wretched wretched what's wretched already that in there it was horrible horrible it it moved and, and made the most weird noise i'm telling you monty it is not of this world have you been drinking drinking come on No, Monty. You're tampering with the forces beyond the pale. Where is it? Over there, on the pet food. The undead. It's not natural, Monty. Shut up, Arthur. Give us a knife. No, Monty, please. I have read my Dennis Wheatley. You are dealing with the supernatural Ouija, ectoplasm, that sort of thing. Evil beyond man's understanding. What are you? Crank or something? Here, Arthur. This casket is sink lined dramatically silver solder nothing has got out of here and that includes the undead look Monty I know what I saw I know what I heard I'm not an idiot yeah yeah Arthur. now listen have you got a roof rack or something around there roof rack yeah they go on top of cars to put luggage in I don't know what a roof rack is well have you got one Arthur well as a matter of fact I do a very nice line in roof racks I can let you have two dozen at cost we price we only want one well get it
0: So there was me at 11:30 at night, in my front room, dressed in my pink pajamas and white bathrobe, with my bass guitar on, doing the moves. For I saw myself today, and I laugh. I think if anybody happened to walk by that window, they would have said, "Susie Quattro lives there. She's fucking lost it." <laughs> but I wasn't going to go up and get changed into a bit of clothes to rehearse the song. Anyway, if you watch that video, you will see acting it's an acting video it's a strange song strange mm. video and it's all about because um, I have to explain it because even the director said please tell me what this is about I said okay it's about a very square girl kind of square very sort of believes in monogamy and you know nice girl she gets mi- she gets mixed up with a guy who doesn't believe in monogamy and he even tries to introduce a third party into the mix. So she holds on to her values, her morals. She keeps them. She doesn't give in to that. But it says, I sold my soul today because she stayed in the relationship. And that's what that video is all about. She stayed. She should have gone, but she stayed.
1: Hmm. So I'm reading between the lines a little bit on some of your lyrical content. The devil in me is a bit of a revelation on your being very forthright with some of these whether it's like you so said before, you get away with it. Is that? Do you think you've always done that, and you do that a bit more now because you can, or you just?
0: Um, like I write. I always write really from deep. Mm. Um, I try never to write fiction. Sometimes you might have to create a scenario to write a particular type of song, but usually I just write what's in me. The Devil in Me, for instance, um, so funny. We had that title, my son and I had that title, loved it. And I wrote some lyrics that went along with this title. And every time I tried to put it to music, it just didn't fit anywhere. So I kind of, it was going to be the, the title of the next album. That's what we said. So I put it in my lyric book, didn't think about it. Then the last song for the album, my son said, I got one more, Mom, we need one more, and then we're all ready. And he showed me this riff. He said, do you like this riff? I said, I love it. I said, send it to me. I'll put it on the computer so I can sit there. I sit on my computer with my song lyric book, with my bass, and I play till I find what the melody and the words are going to be. So I'm flicking through my lyric book, looking for something to jump out at me that these are the lyrics that belong on here. And <laughs> the devil in me fell out of my lyric and landed face up on the keyboard. And I just went, okay. <laughs> okay. It's strange how that happened. And I had my bass, and I looked at the words, and it just was exactly, the melody came immediately with the lyrics. Isn't that funny how that happens? And the idea was from my mother. She was the one that used to say to me, Susie, you're an angel until your halo slips and it becomes a noose. And I always remember that. I thought, what a great line for a song. So it was very much inspired by her, you know. And I am a Catholic girl. I was born and raised Catholic. And that stays with you for the rest of your life. Once a Catholic, always a Catholic, you know. You can't get rid of that. Even though I have a huge wide view, you know, and I do now because I've traveled too much. That that teaching stays with you in your psyche. I'm quite um, square, really. I am quite square.
1: No, surely. <laughs> <laughs> Have you always had that happen in your life with that kind of serendipity side of things that things just seem to click? Or do you have to work hard to make them be successful?
0: I The the one thing I've always done from a child, and in fact, I've I've got 37 poems ready for my next book. And in fact, I'm going to illustrate it to you. Give me one second. I can answer that question with the poem I just wrote. It's not very long, but it will illustrate it. One second. I'll just find it. It's just here. Yeah, just let me find it. It's so funny. Sometimes that happens. Um, where, where you ask somebody, ask, quite well, here it is. And I recently wrote this, but what you just asked me is illustrated in this poem. And this isn't out yet, so keep it for yourself. You're getting a preview. Okay. okay. So this is called Toughen Up. Okay. You should be able to relate to this. Okay, a rough and tumble existence was the path of least resistance, how I stumbled, how I fell, but my strength was my persistence, so cold there was no empathy, nor shelter, I found no sympathy, so I burned in the fire of disinterest, but my strength was, I believed in me, a square peg in the roundest hole, I was a lost and lonely soul. How I struggled to survive this rock that just had to roll. Toughen up, my daddy said. Hide your weakness. Fight instead. So I faced him eye to eye and killed his words stone dead. How can my heart pretend this softness I must defend? Toughen up. What does this mean when my heart will always mend? Do you question my integrity? Do you doubt my sanity? Toughen up has no meaning but to cloud my humanity. Toughen up has no sound. Toughen up can't be found. Toughen up, Daddy said, but his words hit the ground. That's the answer to your (laughs) question. That's the best answer I've ever (laughs) had. You got that, didn't you? Yeah,
1: well and truly. He always
0: said it to me. He always said it to me, toughen up. And he said it to me here. And I always wanted to write that. And I did on the airplane back from Mallorca. It was always in my head, though. And he said it to me here one time. We were talking when he was visiting. I was in my 30s. And he said something that annoyed me or hurt me. And I said, Dad, I said, that that hurt me. And I remember him looking at me and he went, you got to toughen up. And I looked at him and I said, how? end of the conversation and and that became that poem but yeah so that's that's that that that's me that's who i am
2: sergeant i demand that something be done about this i couldn't agree more madam I this out of here, and I want it out now. But you know what Monty Wiseman's like. He's going to know what I'm like. Yeah, but he can be very persuasive. So can I, Arthur. Yeah, but you're forgetting Randolph. He can be even more persuasive. I can be downright insistent. Oh, calm down, Terry. It's not all that bad. Not all that... Do you believe him? He puts a dead body in my bedroom, and he says it's not all that bad. Well, I agree. It's not a situation one finds desirable. It's bleeding obscene. Please, Terry, that is not nice. Remember, we are all mortal.
0: <laughs> well... If he had to be laid to rest, a bedroom is as good a place as any. Now don't you start.
2: Anyway, I ain't been late to rest, as he's standing up in my flat. Uh
0: I don't think so, Terry.
2: You've even got him on his head! No, no that wasn't me. That was Monty and Randolph done that. That bleeding wise man! Oh, I'd hardly call him wise. <laughs> a little bit of levity, Terrence, just to try and get the situation into perspective. Ah. The situation, Arthur, is I don't want dead bodies as part of my fixtures and fittings. Look, Terry, I can understand you being a bit upset. Oh, but I am also upset. Oh, I have been witness to unexplainable phenomenon and exposed to dark forces. I've had a very disturbing experience. Arthur, what are you talking about? The occult, Terry, the occult. Spirits in the never regions. Things that go bump in the night, Well, day in this case. I'm oh, sorry, mate. I ain't standing for that. What? Arthur, I know you. It's me, Terry, right? He's going to tell me some lunatic story and then expect me to think, oh, well, it's poor old Arthur. I'd better help. That has no bearing on the matter. It happened. I even passed out. I fell and hurt my head. Look, Phil. I'm not interested, Arthur. All right, all right. Have it your way. I was obviously wrong to expect a sympathetic hearing from someone I've always thought of as a friend and a confidant. Come, don't you ever stop. All you're thinking about is the dough you're going to make out of this lark. I'm glad you brought that up, because it did cross my mind, and what? I dismissed it immediately. But as I say, I had no choice. And now that he's a fait accompli, I think it only fair that you should have half the fee. Arthur, will you get it into that thick head of yours? Something is very dodgy here. Well, I did say to Monty, I didn't think he was being entirely frank with me.
0: And my strength is, like I said, my strength is, is I keep going. That's the strength. I will go through the fire. i let it burn me. I'll learn the lesson if there's a lesson to be learned, and then I'll keep walking. That That's where the strength comes in. But I am very, very soft and very vulnerable. I hurt really easy. That's just the way it is. Um, but I keep going. So it's kind of my dichotomy. And yeah, it works with, I have one last
1: question for you anyway, which fits with this, because I wanted to know how you've managed to, because you've not given me many negatives about kind of the people, situations, I know that they exist, but you're very like survivor um, material, obviously. And with you being a child star, basically, or involved very young, you've had a very, very long career of presumably lots of pinball moments along the way. And I'm just, you know, how did you get beyond those things that could have been damaging to a child or a teenager or a young adult and still keep going? I guess you kind of already answered it. You just keep going. But
0: You you, you do just keep going. Um, the, The one thing that I've always had stubbornly with five kids, you know, finding your voice and who are you and you know, it's just impossible for any parent to be equal to five kids. You know, that's a lot of kids. So I always had to find my voice. That was a big, find your voice. And then once once I found who I was, I found it very young. Don't change it for anybody. That's, I'm very stubborn. I will not compromise. I will not be your version of me. I will only ever be me. This is how I got through, by knowing who I am, that core That's self-belief. And you don't have to be hard to be that way. And you will get hurt. Not a problem. But the most thing that you have to survive is the ego part of fame, which um, can be very difficult. And I made a conscious choice on that. When I first got famous, first hit and all that, and everything comes at you like, wow, you know, you're being recognized in the pub and Record company sends you a case of champagne, you know, everything is flying at you. And I remember having a 24 hour window. I remember it like it was yesterday where I just thought I was the bee's knees, you know. Wow, I'm great. And then I remember 24 hours later waking up and looking in the mirror and I went, you idiot, you idiot. And I just went right back down to earth. And I never I never took that journey again, ever And in fact, I have a, I'm very normal down to earth. Um, I have the belief that it doesn't make you just because I'm successful at my chosen career does not mean I'm better than other people. I don't believe I am. I've been lucky that I'm, I'm not lucky. I hate that word. I am successful at my chosen career, but in my home, I have an ego room and it's up on the third floor. I know. And, uh, you have to go up two flights of stairs. This this sounds like an analogy, but it's actually a true story. Two flights of stairs, and up on the third floor, it's you know it's an old Elizabethan manor house. The walls are crooked; you can bang your head. So it's difficult to get to the ego room. This is what's so funny. You finally get there, and there's a big sign on the door: "Ego Room, Mind Your Head," which I had made up. And you go in, and the first thing you see is the big red book. This is your life. Um, There's guitars and a big rack of all my jumpsuits and stuff down that end. Pictures on every pictures and posters, every space available. There's videos, there's CDs, there's scrapbooks, there's uh, many, many, many awards, there's backstage passes. Um, Everything is in this room, all the way around. Everything is me. And you go in, it's the quietest room in the house, which is very strange. And you enjoy whatever you want to enjoy. And then you come out and you shut the door. That's the important part. You shut the door. So I have a room for my ego. <laughs> Which is
1: very funny. <laughs> but when you're in there, do you feel independent of that? Like it's almost not you.
0: It's, it's, I, I, if people come over and they want to go up there, I let them go up. And I don't see them they're up there for days i send up <laughs> cheese and water you know um it's it's becomes not just me it's it becomes lots of memories of a lot of different things you know but it's just nice if i need when i wrote my autobiography i, I was up there a lot because if there was any ever dead moments in my memory i could just find a video or a scrapbook you know what, what when did that happen or why did that happen then i'd be able to write it but it's it's just a great room to have and you can put everything in there, you know, put it in there. There it is. There's, there's what you've done. And when I watched my documentary, 2019, it came out and I did my first um, Q and a in London Regent theater. So I was due to go on stage at the end appear, and they could do a Q and a. Q&A. So it was the first showing in London of my, of Susie Q. And um, I was watching it and I wanted to, see it with an audience because that's how you really can judge something when you you feel what the audience is feeling so I snuck into the theater and I stood at the corner a couple people saw me and I went you know and I watched it and I was crying all the way through it really really affected me a lot of times I was going I did that I did that she said that oh my god really emotional and um the next day I called up. One of the girls who's in the film, Sherry Curry, she's uh, she was the lead singer of the runaways and she's become friends. We've become good friends. And I called her. And I said, I have something to tell you. And she said, "What?" I said, well, I I told her I explained when I went to my Q&A and I finally saw it with an audience. And I said, I just realized something. And she said, what? I said, but by by me doing what I did. I gave women all over the world permission to be different. And there was a big silence. And then she said, and you just got that? (laughs) Which it makes me laugh because in a way that shows that a naive, that is a naive side of me, it really is. I didn't have an agenda. I didn't ever think to myself, I'm going to go out there and be Susie Quattro. I didn't think that way. I was just being me. Just knowing I, I didn't fit anywhere, like I said in my poem. I was the square peg in the roundest hole. It just didn't fit anywhere. So when you that's the whole key to what I've done in my life. When you don't fit anywhere, what other choice do you have but to create your own niche? Otherwise, you're nobody. So I found something to be. That's and that's me. And I knew I did, I wasn't that. I, I could never find out where I fit. My whole life, I'm not that, I'm not that, I'm a whoever, well, I'm this. And that's what I was. So that's why it worked. And it couldn't have worked for any other woman. And it had to be me that did it first because of that attitude, because I didn't have an agenda. I wasn't out there trying to be one of the guys. I just was what I was. That's why it worked. And it, and it really changed the world for women in rock completely. And I will take that to my grave quite proudly.
1: Do you have anything left that you really want to do in particular, given that you've done that?
0: I'd like to do some more acting. I'd like to do another musical. Um, There's going to be filming of my life story. I can't talk about it yet, but that's going to be happening. Um, Like I said, I'm finishing my second novel. And then I'm going to put my second poetry book out. And then everybody wants me to write a sequel to The Hurricane, my novel. Because I left it open for a sequel, um, just keep working. I'm not. I'm not ready to stop yet. Nowhere near it. I'm mm-hmm. doing the Royal Albert Hall, uh, April twentieth, two thousand twenty-two. Fantastic. Um, I just want to keep going, hopefully successfully, until I'm ready to stop, and I mean when I'm ready to stop, and then I'll say goodbye when it's when I'm ready.
2: Just think about it eh why won't he let the coroner get his hands on his late friend eh what's there to hide i mean there might not even be a body in there could be full up with dope or something and we could be in right stock if this all comes on top well let's open it and find out no 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 no. we mustn't open it no terry no
0: uh not wise man
2: pardon look nobody's opening anything right i'm gonna run you home and then i'm gonna sort out monty and randolph the red-nosed ranger and you are going to stay here in case I miss him. No, 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 I'm not staying with thingy. Not after what I've been through, Terry. It's like you said, isn't it? What? You've got no choice. Come on, Curly.
0: Don't worry, Arthur. Just keep a stiff upper.
2: <laughs> She's American.
1: Do you have any keys to physical health? and longevity that
0: you live by i'm i'm a keep fit girl in fact i'm due out in the gym as soon as we're done got to go out there um i've always been Uh, i don't smoke i like a drink but not that much luckily i'm a cheap date i get drunk very quick um which is good but I, i say i'm a cheap date I get drunk quick, but it has to be good wine so and good champagne. So in that way, I'm not, but I don't need a lot of it. Um, I watch what I eat. And even when I'm not on the stage, I'm in the front room doing my show with the live CD. And I mean, I'm doing my show. I don't mean I'm going through my show. I'm doing my show, which proves it. Because the last gig I did was uh, June 12th. Okay, one gig because of covid yeah and then i did three in september three in a row and i'm on stage for two hours every night solo show uh something like 28 29 songs a lot of energy a lot of singing because i do the show in my front room full throttle no problem my husband gets so mad he said, as you're talking, when you're coming off stage at the end of two hours, you're just talking, not even out of breath. I said, Yeah, because I make sure I keep that energy level and that fitness level right where it should be. And I'm 71 now. That's not young anymore. You know? So you just gotta keep doing what you do.
1: So it doesn't bother you, you just keep going just as before, even if it was it's like it's 20 years ago. Still the same. I just, in a
0: way. Say that again.
1: It's as if, like you said before, you just keep going. And it's as if you just don't look at that as a I, hindrance. Don't, I
0: I don't look at age. I don't look at any of that. I, even when I go on stage, I, I say my age. I say when my birthday is, you know. Um, my husband always saying, oh, you have to think about stopping. And I keep saying, why? Why should I? I played for 14,000 people on New Year's Eve at the end of 219. You're going to tell me I should stop? Why? I mean, who says to you that you're too old? Who says it? I'm not saying it. Anyway. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much, Susie. Really appreciate all your time. I hope you got everything you needed. Absolutely. Okay. And sorry for the mix-up about the episodes. I was completely thinking about Dempsey and Anyway, you got two for the price of one. Absolutely. No problem. (laughs) Okay. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye. Bye Bye. Bye.
1: What a pleasure to listen to Susie Quattro and her recollections and what an inspiration she is. Next time we're back to the specifics of Minder. Coming soon is an interview with one of the writers of Minder. Here's a clue. He wrote episodes of the programme into the double figures. I hope you will tune in for that. In the meantime, head over to the Minder podcast site or send an email to winchesterclub at minderpodcast.co.uk. Thanks to all those who have emailed so far. Very appreciative of the positive comments and also your guest suggestions. Likewise, some of the nice messages and comments via Twitter. It's not the chosen medium for many of you, but good to hear from regular followers there too. It is much appreciated. Thanks for listening.
0: So